Kyle Charters here sitting in for Jared for the rest of this week. He will be back again on Monday, I'm sure, to give you a nice recap of that Purdue uh, Michigan game from the weekend. That one will be a challenging one. We'll get in a lot more uh, about that game with uh, Sam King of the Journal and Courier. We'll talk to uh, Sam tomorrow on the show. Also get a preview of some of those sectional football games uh, tomorrow night. Looking forward, as always, to our Friday conversation with Sam King. Right now, however, uh, let's go to the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline and bring in my old friend Galen Clavio, the head of the sports media program at Indiana and the host of Crimson Cast, which you can find, of course, online. Does an excellent job covering Indiana. Uh, Hoosier historian and a man I've known for a very long time, Galen, since about 30 years ago or more when we started roaming the same hallways in school, including at uh, at Harrison High School. Nice to talk to you, my friend. No one got a, a worse deal than you in terms of whose locker he was next to, <laughs> Kyle. But no, it's, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah, it, it has been uh, quite a long time. Uh, I always joke with people that uh, that that were what two of the the, the most known alums uh, in the sports world from from Harrison of that year, aside maybe from the guy over in Illinois. <laughs> who is the, the athletic director? I, he actually made something for himself uh, eventually, and in, in Josh Whitman. Yeah, no, you know, we're just we're all battling for the silver at this point, <laughs> no question. All right, Galen, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the news. Yes, yesterday, uh, obviously, the passing of of Bob Knight uh, at the age of eighty three. It obviously had some some health problems here down the stretch, um, which was unfortunate and unfortunate news uh, yesterday. I guess just. Uh, the the open-ended question uh, encapsulate, I guess, the feeling uh, around Bloomington uh, with the death of the legendary coach. Well, I think the, it's, it's a sadness, and I think for a lot of people, it's kind of a recognition or a revelation that this is a huge part of their childhood or you know, their early adulthood, and in some cases, their middle adulthood that they grew up with that was just, you know, a tremendous part of their day-to-day lives that's gone. And, you know, it's it's hard to put into words, I think, and it's certainly impossible to talk definitively about the entire IU fan base or even the entirety of Bloomington, because as Purdue fans know, and as, as you certainly know, uh, Bob Knight was, was not a guy who left anybody on the fence about how they felt about him. You know, you either, you either loved the guy or you hated the guy. And, you know, even in the IU fan base, it was not a monoculture. Uh, some people, uh, you know, I think were, um, were, were certainly, nobody was, nobody's happy to hear of his passing, but I think certainly it's a complicated legacy for some in terms of how they think about IU basketball and Bob Knight. But I know, for myself, as someone who grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know, grew up as an IU fan in the Lafayette area, you know, Knight was a larger-than-life figure that represented, for many people, not just basketball success, but also kind of a way of life and a way of yeah. of going about the way you did things, which was always ironic because, as you often hear, he wasn't the type of guy who would adhere to those things himself, but what he represented mattered a lot to a lot of people. How do you now, for yourself, balance you know his success and, and some of those messages that he had and his ability to graduate uh, kids and, and have his players go on to have success uh, 
with sort of all the other stuff, the anger and, and you know, the off-court issues and, and what ultimately led, as you were sort of a, a central uh, central to or central of, as a witness to when you were a student back in, in 2000 and, and sort of how that ended with the zero tolerance and with the, the run-in with the, the student. Um, just how, how do you sort of balance your, all of those things with Bob Knight now here 25 years later? It's so hard. I, I, you know, it's a, it's one of those situations I've studied the guys about as much as anybody and, and certainly have, have been uh, someone who's focused a lot on IU basketball and its place in history. And I think it's important to remember not to excuse Knight's behavior, but to understand that Knight was the product of one cultural era and he carried that into the next cultural era, and it worked great because everybody was used to that, and as it blended into the next one, it became a lot less palatable. And, you know, what I try to tell my students when I talk about Bob Knight is, you know, Knight, the way that Knight acted, you go back and you read some of the things that Knight did that people found objectionable, and it seems like a big deal when you read them and they were somewhat big deals at the time, but it also just kind of felt normal. And even like the yelling at players, I was like, man, I had junior high coaches and teachers (laughs) yelling at me regularly. You did too. It was just part of the culture that was just accepted. And the idea that you would act like a taskmaster and a disciplinarian and, and, you know, and all the things that Knight was, was known for, no one batted an eye in the 70s and 80s. And then gradually more and more people are like, well, wait, is that really the type of behavior that you want to see? Um, But it's also incomplete because, you know, Knight was such a contrast. He was so complicated. He would act that way and he would do things that would infuriate people. And then he would do a ton of things that you'd read about or hear about. And you're like, wow, that's, that's incredibly sweet. That's incredibly big hearted. You know, whether it was raising money for, you know, kids that were in the hospital or whether it was taking care of, of, of friends and associates that had fallen on hard times. And, you know, it's, it's almost like you could pick any 10 things from Knight's life and use it to build an ironclad case that the guy was either, um, a great philanthropic guy or a jerk or an amazing like tactician i mean all of these things fit under one umbrella it's really hard to reconcile yeah people are complex and certainly bob knight was was very complex um talking to galen clavio the head of the sports media program at indiana host of crimson cast uh you have the unique perspective of having lived here uh in west lafayette and being an indiana fan and then going and attending indiana and becoming uh, a professor there. Um, last night, the the rivalry was put on hold a bit. Uh, I thought it was a nice gesture by Purdue uh, to have the moment of silence. It really came, you know, right before tip off. The news started to break, and and so Purdue had to uh, mobilize. I don't think it was that difficult, but had to make some adjustments to the pregame uh, to make that happen. I thought the reaction from both Purdue and from Indiana fans uh, was nice. Man, it was it was a, a great rivalry back then, was it not, between Bob Knight and Gene Cady, two guys who really had a a special bond, I think, um, and and really got after it uh, when they were on the court and then had a friendship off the court. But those were some epic games between uh, two really good coaches and really good programs. I I know that there's some folks in the Purdue fan base as, as, as well as those in the IU fan base who understand what I'm about to say, and those are 
them that are too young may not quite get it now and they may never get it. But for those of us who were alive at the time, I think we, we can look back and realize how special that time was. I mean, uh, and this is no disrespect to Gene Cady because what Cady accomplished at Purdue was, was awesome. But Bob Knight essentially brought Indiana, the state, back into the public eye for basketball in a way that made it the epicenter of the sport mm-hmm. for 20 years. And you get maybe 25 years. And it was special with Knight and what he did at IU because of how good his teams were. It became more special when, you know, from that moment when Purdue went to the Final Four in 1980 to the next year when Gene Cady takes over, those battles between those two programs were epic. And, you know, it's a shame that the, the, the quality of the two programs really hasn't been at the same level consistently. When Purdue's been good, Indiana's been bad. When Purdue's been bad, Indiana's been good, or they've both been bad. And, I think that the, the quality of that rivalry between Indiana and Purdue was absolutely right up there with Duke, North Carolina, better than Duke, North Carolina, as far as I'm concerned. You know, better than a lot of what gets pointed to as the big rivalries, Kentucky, Louisville, whatever, uh, because of how good the programs were, how good the coaches were, the type of basketball that was being played, the talent that both teams had on the floor. Um, you know, you had just these amazing you know, Purdue knocking off Indiana at the end of the 92 season and denying Indiana the Big Ten title. IU knocking off Purdue at Assembly Hall in the last minute in Glenn Robinson's second year. Uh, you know, trading back and forth. It was, it was like watching two heavyweights battle and you always knew that you were going to get something unique and unexpected. I thought Matt Painter did an awesome job trying to put that into words in his postgame press conference yesterday. It really was a case where Knight brought the best out in Purdue. And I think Purdue brought the best out in Knight in Indiana. It was really special. Yeah, it certainly was. Those were some great games, and you did a great job encapsulating uh, many of those. Talking to Galen Clavio on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, the head of the sports media program at Indiana, host of Crimson Cast and a Hoosier historian. Uh, what did it mean for Indiana to have a little bit of closure with Bob Knight, him returning uh, for a game uh, a couple of years ago? Uh, unfortunately, you know, perhaps not in the best of health at that point as he was starting to uh, deteriorate, which was just uh, uh, heartbreaking to see. Uh, but did, did that provide, you think, Indiana some closure? And, and did it at all provide Knight with any closure or his family? It's hard to say with Knight. I mean, I think to some degree it did. I think Knight was, he chose to come back and be close to family in his, uh, in his final years. And I certainly think it helped provide his, his family some closure. I mean, there was a great piece that one of my students did, an interview with, uh, with Pat Knight on the assembly hall floor, reminiscing about his time playing for his dad. It's a really awesome piece i'd recommend everybody go to youtube and watch it if you're interested um but i think for the fans and for the university it was a really really important and necessary thing and yeah it's a shame that knight wasn't in better physical condition when it occurred but for iu fans to watch him back on the floor and the emotion that surrounded that i mean i talked to so many people who were in the building who were just watching on television and it's the, the way they describe it is 
it's an emotional experience that's almost impossible to put into words. And it sounds, I'm sure, weird for, for Purdue fans to hear that, but the, the, the psychological turmoil from nights firing and the next 10 years, I, I described it on my show last night, it's, it's like your parents getting divorced and then taking shots at each other for a decade. <laughs> Um, it was really, it was really ugly. It fractured the fan base and it really set IU athletics, I think in general, back quite a bit because of how ugly it had gotten by the end. And so, you know, it was, it was it the perfect reunion? Probably not, but it was, it was enough that I think it finally healed those wounds and allowed a lot of people who still were bitter at Indiana for how they perceived they handled Knight's firing to get over that. And certainly for Knight and his family to, to be firmly like welcomed back in the middle of a game against Purdue, which unfortunately they lost, um, I think that really did kind of mend a lot of those bridges as well. So it was just nice to see all the way around. Is it shocking to you to realize that the students that you're teaching uh, were born in many cases after uh, Knight was fired at Indiana? We're, we're getting old, my friend. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I teach students, you know, uh, every semester, and so I feel slightly less old because I'm. It's like the whole thing about a frog in a in a pot of water that slowly heats up. You don't notice uh, until it's too late, I guess. But it's funny. I, you know, I, I teach a class that's essentially on the sports media industry, but I always do a week where I talk about the history of Indiana basketball, and obviously Bob Knight is a huge part of that lecture and. We just got done with that module last week. Wow. So it's kind of eerie timing the way it worked out. But it was really fascinating. It's always fascinating talking to students because most of them are very curious. You know, Knight is such a larger-than-life figure. He looms so large over the IU basketball landscape. And most students, you know, they're, they're fascinated by who this guy was, and they just are curious, like, what he was like and – what that experience was like rooting for Indiana during that time period. And so I, you know, I'm fortunate in that I lived through that period. I'm able to describe it somewhat. I'm able to show video clips and try to give them a better context. Yes. It's a little bit daunting to think, wow, most of these kids were, they were born after night was fired, but you know, it's like you or me trying to learn about like, you know, John F. Kennedy, you know, in the eighties, you know, it's a concept, but it's an important one to understand the fabric that you're in at that point at Indiana. Yeah. Well said. Hey, I appreciate the time, Galen. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you uh, again, hopefully soon. Thanks, Kyle. As always, great talking to you. That's uh, Galen Clavio, the head of the sports media program at Indiana and the host of Crimson Cast. You can find that, of course, on Twitter. Uh, We will take a break. We'll come back here in just a moment. You're listening to 1017 The Hammer.